Good morning and welcome to The Secret Behind Our Success. I am Rebecca Rausch, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to The Secret Behind Our Success. Today, we welcome a man who from across the world who has changed the world of B2B sales. I present to you, offer your Vexel of Peppery.com. Peppery connects Salesforce automation and B2B e-commerce on an enterprise-grade cloud platform so you can sell bigger, smarter, faster, and more easily adapt to your market dynamics. And before we get started, I got to say I love your little frog icon. I think that is awesome. It's like my lizard. So fellow reptiles unite. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you very much for hosting me. You know where the frog is coming from? Why we Oh, I want to know the story. Tell me the story. So peppery is the name of a frog uh, in Peru. A Peruvian uh, frog, frog, sorry, is uh, which the name is peppery. Not not like a name of a character in a book, but that's the name of a frog. No, no. It's, a, it's type of a frog. If you go in Wikipedia, search for peppery frog, and you'll see it. How interesting. Why did you choose that? Because it was the cheapest to buy that has a positive uh, punctuation, should I say, you know, and, uh, and mean nothing. And I wanted it to, I didn't want something that uh, would mean something. And then, being in a startup back then, I knew things might change, and then you'll find yourself with a name that does not describe what you're doing. So that was I smart. wanted something that is meaningful, that is does not mean anything. <laughs> well, that's really smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. I guess Neon Lizard isn't much different, but mine came from the idea of a, uh, a chameleon, because as a designer, I'm a chameleon, and I can design anything, so I decided chameleon was too big a word and <laughs> went with a lizard. This is, this is wide enough to keep you, you know, with many other things that you can do with it. So it's good as well. <laughs> I know. That's really smart. Now you bootstrapped this thing, this business 12 years ago or longer? Uh, about 12 years. Uh, I did have, uh, I still have two private non-institutional investors that invested in the company. Uh, wow. So it was not completely bootstrapped without any investment at all. But it's you've reached heights in your business that most B2B people would only dream about, right? Maybe. I don't know what people are dreaming about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we reached something that is meaningful for sure. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I was really impressed by the idea of this unified business logic. Do you want to tell us more about the business? Sure. Uh, typically, uh, when you look on B2B sales of consumer goods, uh, then in the past it was done on paper, and then later on it moved to automation, and automation typically meant uh, um, moving to mobile salespeople that are visiting uh, physical stores and taking orders. And then the last step was uh, doing everything by B2B e-commerce, exactly like with consumer B2C e-commerce, move to B2B e-commerce. Uh, those uh, two last ones, 
the mobile technology and the B2B commerce are typically very, very different in terms of technology. Uh, one is typically the, the SFA, Salesforce Automation, the mobile solution. Typically, companies are looking for a solution that is uh, native, meaning working on a mobile native operating system, which is a very different technology than a browser-based technology, which you'll find typically on desktop, uh, which is where most of the B2B e-commerce solutions are. Uh, so typically, companies are looking for two separate solutions uh, with two separate technologies, and we develop a solution that is that really has one business logic uh, serving both, and this is one of the uniqueness of our system. And one of one of the things that you were saying on your website was that you referenced omni-channel, omni-channel, and I thought. That's a little bit jargony for some of the people in the audience. Can you define for us what omni-channel is? Yeah, omni-channel, typically people think about it in the context of B2C. However, we are serving B2B. And uh, in both uh, worlds, uh, it means that no matter how your customer will approach you, uh, you will have from one solution, he, he will be served, okay? And he can approach you before, by phone, he can approach you by an application, or might be that the salesperson will approach your customer, but then within the same interface, the same solution. So all of them will have the same experience. The same, so you will not have different experiences, different data, mm-hmm. uh, mismatch of, uh, for example, you have a special pricing on one, on one sales channel and a completely different pricing on a different one because they are two separate systems. And this is just one example of things that are happening in the world. So omni-channel means for us, omni-channel from one solution means that we are serving all those uh, different uh, channels of sales, different channels of interacting with the customer uh, from one solution. And then because it's one solution with one business logic, you should have you should have the same data, the same experience. Everything should be consistent. May I may I try? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try to explain what you do in a way that I understand it. Is that okay? And sure. tell me if I'm she right. You do better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're so smart. It's amazing. This is a brilliant concept. And like I said, I had thought about something similar to this back in the day when I worked at a restaurant, but this is so much bigger and so much more expansive. And I think that people really need to understand what it is. And you do explain it really, really well on peppery.com. But one of the things I was gathering from it is that this is a software program that is mobile. It can work on your tablet. It can work on your phone and your salespeople can have it. Your delivery people can have it. And when your delivery person is delivering something and the client says, Hey, do you have any more of this widget or this clothing or this food? He's able to look and in real time, check stock, check where it is and arrange for delivery as well as the owner of the company at any time can look at the same software and be able to say, know where his sales are, who's buying what, when, 
where his salespeople are and all the details and the graphs and everything they need to know about their business in the palm of their hand. Is that correct? I couldn't describe it better. <laughs> well, I really loved that you had like literally the catalogs and that you could bundle and you could you could have these different things going on for the different platforms or different, you know, source of sales. Yet it was still all right in front of you in a in a format that was easy to understand. The UX on this is amazing. You did a great job. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, how, tell me more about like the route accounting and why is that important? Route accounting is important only to certain industries, typically industries that are distributing fast moving items, uh, typically in food and beverages, where you are generally speaking, the number of items that you are selling as a supplier is quite limited and is not changing like the opposite from uh, if you take apparel that every season you have something different and you take food, like if you're buying a cheese, it's most likely the same cheese for 20 years. <laughs> so it's very limited number of products, which is SKUs, and they are not changing. So basically every time you are visiting your customer, you are selling in the same product again and again, you're just replenishing them. So instead right. of taking order, Instead of taking orders, sending it to the warehouse, the warehouse will... So you're sending a driver who has the warehouse within his truck, is checking inventory and on the spot, delivering, charging, taking the payment. Obviously nowadays it would be e-payment, uh, doing everything. Uh, this is route accounting because basically you're doing the full... It's sort of a small seller that is moving around and sell, selling to those uh, customers it takes it takes out all the it takes out all the bureaucracy of, of the sale i think that's a, and one of the things i really was impressed by was the fact that your salesperson driver delivery person um uh, person who's setting up your your uh, visuals at the stores and things of that nature that you can have them take geotag time stamped photos to make sure that every store looks exactly the same, the way you want them to, and that someone else is there to check it. So you have this double quality control that where you don't have to send people out because they can geotag it right then and say, hey, boss, this is what I did for so-and-so. Is that correct? Did I understand that right? You understood it correct, yeah. And this is the beauty of using uh, what I described before technology-wise is native technology. These are the types of things you cannot do on browsers. Right. And that, and so much of what you're doing integrates into the phone systems that are already out there, right? Just like uh, yeah. QR codes are now. It's, it's taking advantage of the technology that is out there already. Yeah. So this, this is... Using it. So you're supercharging sales and cutting yeah. costs all at the same time. Uh, our goal is really to simplify the sales process, enabling the whomever is dealing with it, whether it's the customer who is buying, whether the buyer or the seller, really get the relevant information from them to make a decision and not spend their time on things that are just 
admin wasting their time on things that are not necessarily important or adding value to them. Now, where did you get this idea? How did it come about? I think what we did in general is uh, we simply automated existing processes and took advantage of technology like geotagging. Every every uh, device has it today, you know. So you have it. Why not taking advantage of it and logging it or recording it in a relevant time? Uh, same thing for the camera. You didn't mention it. You have here a barcode reader. So, for example, buyers of our customer, we have a customer in uh, in the food industry in the U.S., like Island Food, for example, which is using route accounting. So, but their customer might be taking orders as well, those retailers. So they might take this phone and barcode uh, the product that they are missing directly from the shelf and boom, and you have an order. Instead of going to a computer, finding the product they are missing. So... The technology is there. You just need to take advantage of it. I feel like we're in the space. I mean, seriously, like Star Trek or Star Wars. It's just amazing. And you work with some really huge companies, Rip Curl, Guess, SodaStream, Dermalogica, Adidas. I can't even list them all. And I, I'm fascinated by the fact that you have customized this app to each of those industries. That, that had to take years. Yeah, here you touch on your first mistake, but it's just our terminology. We are not using the word customize. We hate customization. Oh, sorry. Customization, customization in the software world means that you are developing a code and you need to go through the development process, which is tedious, prone to errors, <clears throat> a lot of issues. We call it configure. And the idea oh. is... That all these customers are using the same platform, the same code. There's no need for a different code and different developers in order for them to configure the solution to their needs. And configuration means that we have engines, uh, technology engines that helps them do those changes without code. We have a rule engine, we have a workflow engine, all of them are drag and drop that a smart administrator simply open the back office, define the processes, define the business logic, pressing publish, and it works the way they want it to work without customization. So we hate the word customization. I apologize. I'll never use it again. <laughs> um, I was also noticing that you yourself are quite the outdoorsman from snowboarding and and kayaking and motorcycle, all these things that I saw, but you're also working with Rip Curl, which is a surf company. And I was curious if you did surfing. Uh, sure. I'm doing all of that. Uh, my, the, the hobby I like the most is kayaking. Actually, this morning I was catching waves uh, with my kayak. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I like all these sports that you mentioned and more. <laughs> Did you take your dog with you on your kayak trip? Uh, I used to have a dog, and I used to take him with me when I was sopping. You know, uh, but uh, unfortunately, I no longer have a dog for the last two to three years. Uh, I need some, uh, it, it was a 
a very bad experience the last one, the last year. You had the cancer and it was really a very, very bad experience. Well, I, I feel, yeah, I just lost one of mine and um, ended up getting another one because I couldn't stand not having two dogs. I got to have two. <laughs> <laughs> got to have two. They got to have each other. For like 10 years and uh, now it's like two years that we don't have a dog. Yeah. Now I'm going to jump back into the business part of it. What were you doing prior to doing this? So have you always had the golden touch or did you kind of get this idea early on and just go there? Uh, I was doing many different things before. Unfortunately, I'm not young. Uh, however, uh, this idea will, it was not my idea. I cannot say that it was my idea. We started a group of people uh, with something completely different. Uh, and then in 2011, when iPad came out by coincidence, uh, it, it was not full coincidence, but uh, sort of. Uh, part of the idea we had before was serving salespeople and we decided to do it on an iPad. And when we released it to the to the back then to the app stores and iPad only solution, uh, back then after three years of work, we had like twelve customers, most of them from Israel. When we released this app to the app store in one quarter, we had like fifteen new customers from mm -hmm. all over the world. So that uh, was your pivot point. Exactly. Uh, so we decided to really <clears throat> move it to that direction, and from that minute on. And I cannot say that it was my idea. It was not my idea. It was really, we, we are a team of people that together we saw what's happening and together we were brainstorming all the time and until we moved in that direction. Well, that's we very humble. Whether to move in that direction and different direction. People think about a startup and a company as a, a genius thinking about an idea and then doing it and then. There are things like that. I think most businesses are not like that. I think it's evolution and not revolution. Oh, you I like that. start with something and you evolving to something that might be very different from where you started. Agreed. That's, that's brilliant. It's a great way of looking at it. So here's a question I ask all of my people that I talk to. Do you have a mantra? Something You know what I mean by mantra? Like a statement that you tell yourself to push you through the hard times. I have many. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the one, you, what's your go-to one when you get frustrated and want to quit? I never want to quit. And this is maybe the most important mantra. And I'm always thinking, you know, in the worst cases, there must be a way. There must be a way. You just need to find it. And it might not be what you thought originally. It might not be as good as you thought originally. Mm -hmm. But it start, But it might start to something new that will help you grow it back. So I think persistence. And uh, I, I, I think people in many cases, you see them coming with, there is only one way in those situations, uh, as if they know the truth, and the truth is black, and that's it. And uh, <laughs> I'm talking about bedtimes, as you, if I understood you correctly. So, and, and you just need to show them that it's not black; it's gray, 
and uh, and within this grade are some white points and then let's start to move in that direction you know another thing i'm saying you know if you see everything in black it's definitely going to be black because and i hope i'm politically correct recently i was told i should not use black as a negative thing but uh, but <laughs> well, you're I'm just you're referencing things that are black or white meaning as they're it's one yeah. way or another and i understand that and i think most listeners will get that yeah so anyway what i'm saying is uh, if you think in a negative way if you think okay there's no point then definitely there's no chance the only chance for you to be successful is if you start to search for, for those small white dots and start to expand them and you know a little light makes a lot of light you know if everything around it is dark so a little candle i think there is a say like that so and i truly believe in that i i, I agree with you i i'm a big believer in adaptive i call it elasticity that every company has to be elastic you have to be able to stretch beyond your discomfort levels you know, your comfort levels, you've got to stretch and grow. You have to be adaptable and turn with the times and know where you're going. But the whole thing is knowing what your vision is and finding way, you know, ways to get there. Is that, is that kind of the same thing you're saying? uh, Yeah. And I I think uh, the COVID is a great example. When COVID started, we are serving customers that are selling to retail stores. When COVID started, all the retail stores were closed all over the world. I'm exaggerating, but I mean, big portion oh, of the retail I know. stores. And uh, it was dark. You know, we thought, wow, what is going to happen to us? Are we going to lose the business? And, and we had horrible two quarters, the first two quarters of last year. And we did some very drastic things, you know, in order to survive. And Q3 and Q4 were okay. And this year, and actually thanks to those drastic changes we made, this year is amazing for us, really amazing. And COVID is still there, you know, but is, so sometimes things that looks to you as if it's the end, you know, Mm -hmm. you just need to take a breath and everything will get better. <laughs> well, I think it also, it forces us to be more creative. Would it, is it improper of me to ask what kind of changes you made? Is that something other people could implement into their businesses to get through? Yeah, I, I'm not hiding anything. I just, just that it's too technical, but uh, in general, uh, there's, you know, in times like that, when you are pushed to the wall, like with your back to the wall, you are doing things that before that you say, yeah, it's not good, but I can live with it. And suddenly, no, I will not live if I will not do those changes. So suddenly you're making tough decisions about things that before that uh, you, you allowed yourself not to. Uh, and part of it is really cutting uh, cutting uh, headcount uh, in certain places, adding... Uh, adding uh, resources in others, but generally speaking, cutting your costs dramatically, uh, <clears throat> cutting certain products that you think that are not going to be relevant in times like that, with all the negative implications that it has, uh, and really 
focusing on where you think is your survival and really be very sharp on what is important, what is not, and do not waste resources on things that are not going to help you to survive. Or the things maybe that you're not as good at. Stick with the Which things the that same. you know best. Which is the same. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think one of the... You know, in order to uh, succeed, you need to excel. Uh, and in order to excel, you need to choose uh, and be sharp on, and drop those things that you are not excelling or make sure that you'll excel with them. Do you have an um, um, influencer, that a coach or an influencer, someone that you listen to a lot or talk to a lot that, that influ- you know, helps you make these kinds of choices? Is it just your team? Do you work within your team or do you have people you look up to that, that talk to you and help you? This, I do not have people that I really consult with on a regular basis and really go to them weekly. <clears throat> I have friends from the industry that from time to time I might brainstorm with them. I must say that typically the people that really come up with the relevant information with the decision process are the people within my management. Uh, we brainstorm sometimes for two to three, four days in a row. Wow. To make a decision. Uh, and I think that that's a great just piece of advice right there is most people brainstorm for an hour, two hours, and then they break up and you go over here and I'll go over here and we'll talk again later, but then they really never get quite back to it. I love this idea of pushing, pushing, pushing because that pushes you to come up with something different because you just said that 10 minutes ago. So I think that's really a great piece of advice right there. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to uh, typically in, uh, you know, on weekly meetings on uh, monthly meetings, you need to be very operational and you should not allow discussions around who I am, what I am, what is the meaning of life? Should we do this and should we do that? You need to be very sharp. You need to talk about KPIs, KPIs, and really cut off all those uh, discussions that are not very operational. Mm-hmm. However, and for that, you don't need meetings for more than 30 minutes, 45 minutes, because otherwise it starts to be those discussions that I don't like. However, when you do quarterly meetings, when you do annual meeting, it's exactly the opposite. You don't want to talk operational things. You really want to brainstorm. You really want people to change their mind. You really want to, them to be influenced by each other. And then what I found out is that even one day of brainstorming is not good enough because typically you need time to digest what you heard. And it takes sometimes two to three days for you to change your mind. And this is why and in our management, we can really argue in a very, uh, Israel has a mentality of really, uh, Israel is the worst country in the world, by the way, in terms of, uh, uh, how do you call it, uh, of how, you, uh, how superior, there's no management in Israel. Everyone thinks that he's the manager. Okay, so That's I great. Can talk- I can talk with one of my employee uh, employees and he will tell me what is right as if he knows better than me and he will talk to me as if we are completely equal in terms of our knowledge, in terms of everything. So 
in my management, we really can shout at each other, but but then you can see at the end of the day, we are all friends. So you, you need two to three days like that, and suddenly things are different after two, three. And typically, it will not happen in two to three hours. I, I think that's fantastic. I think when you have a culture that allows freedom of speech in the sense that no idea is a bad idea. Um, if it is a bad idea, everybody will tell them so. That's okay. You know, and, and not having your feelings get hurt, but it being a safe space to know that when it's all over, we're still a team, we're still together, and we're not going to hold anything against one another. And that's not an American culture. We run around with our, you know, we're always got our feelings hurt. So I think that is really a strength that you bring to the table for your team that not everybody has. That's really fantastic. Thank you. And I agree in respect to the American culture. I worked in the U.S. for like five years. I lived in the U.S. Uh, Americans tend to not to be confrontal. They they prefer to keep a very good atmosphere. Uh, And so they... And Israelis, in many cases, do not understand it, that uh, American will say things in a much softer way, not because they think it's not so important, just because this is the culture, mm-hmm. while an Israeli will say the same thing in a much more negative uh, and direct way. Now, it's, it does not mean that one of them is good or one of them is bad. It's just a cultural thing of how you, how you say things. I think that's a lot how just how you're brought up too. Cause I know for myself, I love people that are just straightforward. I don't want to have to guess around the edges and wonder, read between the lines and try to make sure I understand. I want them just tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you, you tell me, we're all good. No hard feelings. Your, you know, your opinions are your opinions, and that's great. So I don't know. I think that's a I think that's a great culture to have. Okay. Now, before I don't want to go too long. We're already kind of on the long side, but I want to ask. Um, one, a couple little questions here. One of them is, or it's a series of questions, but have you heard of the ocean personality test? Ocean personality test? No. It is, it's just, we're just going to do a quick verbal version, but what it will do is it will help other people know how to interact with you that are listening. So what it is, is you will answer low, medium, or high, low meaning, yeah, it's not me. Nope, not me. Medium, eh, sometimes. High, yeah, that's totally me. So you just answer low, medium, or high, okay? The first one is openness. If you are high in openness, you love trying new things and having new experiences. Answer low, medium, or high. Who are you? High. Conscientiousness. What is your level when you approach organization and details? If you're high in conscientiousness, you are very organized and you love details. I love details. Hi. <laughs> you're high there too. Extroversion. If you're an extrovert, you can you thrive around people you can't get enough. You seek out people all the time. Medium. Medium. Got to have your quiet time. Agreeableness. If you rate high in agreeableness, you're likely a friendly and compassionate people pleaser. Medium, most likely, maybe high. (laughs) And then the other one is neuroticism. Now, neurotic isn't a bad thing. It just means that you worry. You have anxiety and maybe get a little high stress sometimes and might have a little sharp of a tongue. 
Can you repeat that? I'm not sure I understood. Um, neurotic just means that you have anxiety, that you worry about things. You let things kind of bother you. And sometimes it causes you to bite at people. Low. Low. That's awesome. Okay. And the final question is our quirky question. And it would be if you could do anything, anything, no holds barred, no money doesn't matter. You can do anything. What would you want to do? Are you going to be a Tesla guy and go to space or you're going to stay home and take a nap? <laughs> I go to the beach, to the sea. The beach. I love no, it. Not to the beach, to the sea. The sea. I like what is it? The sea. And uh, I don't know, sailing, yachting, uh, catching waves, being, <laughs> being in the sea. That, that's all I need. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love all your outdoor stuff. I think that's great. I had a kayak. Somebody stole it. <laughs> anyway, so for anybody that's listening right now, his website is peppery, P-E-P-P-E-R-I.com. And you want to definitely check out everything he's doing because it is mind-blowing how logical it is and how once you really dig down in there, it's like, oh, I've got to have this. I'm I'm watching, reading all this, this today and I have got to introduce you to about four people already because I know they need this and I think like you said you don't really have to go out asking for business because it's coming to you because you have this beautiful novel idea so if they come to your website what do you want them to do if they are relevant as a customer and if they are selling consumer goods uh Contact us and ask for a demo and uh, we'll take you from there and show you what we can do for you. Now, my understanding, too, is that you have partners that you work with that will help you get your business hooked up to your back end so that Peppery can access your your stock and things of that nature. And that's really important, right? Yeah, those partners are helping us, you know, to, to bridge between our technology and the customer technology and really expand without the need for our resources to be involved. Right. I thought that was a great um, avenue to have because I think that would be a real obstacle for most folks. All right. Yeah, I've got this wonderful new thing. How do I hook it up to this? So having those people to come in and train and help them connect is a service up and beyond um, expectation. So you are just a thrill. I love all of this. I seriously am going to connect you with a bunch of people. And I cannot wait for people to hear this podcast and learn all about your company. So I hope you had a good time. And thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a part of the story behind our success. If you are a successful six-figure entrepreneur or an inspirational speaker who would like to be on this program, please visit neonlizardcreative.com slash podcast slash apply. If we're inspired by this interview, we would be honored if you would share it on social media and even rate it. Your thumbs up rating goes a long way to promote the show. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them, let them know. Hashtag story behind our success. And don't forget, opt in on the website so you don't miss an episode. We have some fantastic guests on the docket. And if you want to know more, check out neonlizardcreative.com. See you next time. Bye.